0: In the month of November, the Church traditionally considers the topic of death in her liturgy, and especially on November 2nd, which is the solemn commemoration of the faithful departed. On that day, we pray for the dead, who are not saints yet, who have not been celebrated on November 1st, which is the Solemnity of All Saints. On November 2nd, the Church prays for all the faithful departed who have died and still need to be purified from their sins in order to be able to see God ultimately. When we Consider the topic of death in our prayer. It is always a difficult topic, especially if we have loved ones who have died, perhaps recently, and we experience the loss of their presence. We miss the way they used to smile, we miss the way they used to talk to us, we miss their support or simply their presence. Which was always there for us, some somehow. You know, we can especially be more grieved if the death of that loved one of ours was a very sudden thing, maybe through a car accident or a um, an illness that came all of a sudden and we were not expecting that. Well. We grieve because it appears that they are gone, that they are dead, that they are no longer alive. But the church, like a good mother, holding to the truth and the tradition that she has always proclaimed from the very beginning, is here to remind us that that is not true, that there is life after death. And that our loved ones continue to live in a different state, of course, but they continue to be alive and they continue actually to be capable of communication. We can communicate with them through what is called the doctrine of the communion of saints. We can send graces to them and they can pray for us and intercede for us before God. And even if they are in purgatory, they their prayer the prayer of the, of the church that is being purified is very pleasing to God, and they can achieve a lot of graces for the church militant, which is the way that we refer to the church still here on earth. And death is always an elusive topic for us. It is a kind of transcendent, a transcendental it's always beyond our understanding that's why it's called transcendent because we don't fully understand what happens at the moment of death how we come to an awareness of of who we are of who god is of of everything that we have done we know that after our life here on earth immediately comes judgment and that we receive merit or uh, punishment for all the things that we have done. And what we pray for is to die in the state of friendship with God, which we call the state of grace, so that when we are determined at the end of our life or the moment after death we are determined in our relationship with God. We end in a state of friendship so that we can see God forever. When we offer up our loss, when we have loved ones who have died, we are consoled by Jesus' mercy and especially the fact that He too experienced loss. When his friend Lazarus died, if you recall in the Gospel of St. John, it says that he cried when he saw his sister Mary and and also Martha moved by the fact that they had lost their brother. And it, it really should should say a lot to us that Jesus wanted to experience this grief because he knew that he was going to resurrect Lazarus he knew what he was about to do and and yet he wanted to cry and he cried because he realized that the grief that death brings to us is is real is real and it's a real suffering that can be offered up and it could even be offered up as a suffrage for the the person who has died. On November 2nd, the church normally has up to 3 masses that can be said by every priest to offer as sacrifices or suffrages for the faithful departed. And traditionally also many Catholics and Christians visit the grave sites of their loved ones. And that is a, a really good practice because the the gravesite of someone who has been baptized, the the body of that of that brother or sister of ours in the faith, is somehow holy. It has been touched by God. God lived in that body since their baptism. In grace and even I would say sacramentally if they received our Lord in the Holy Eucharist you know and you might say well what about what about ashes what if we don't know where the gravesite is and maybe the ashes were spread in the ocean or in a river or something like that the church has always believed that God is not limited right uh, in resurrecting someone uh, who has been uh, whose body has been uh, reduced to ashes through cremation as long as we do so not out of a an atheistic reason, right? So it is um, it is not a problem for our faith to have ashes and it's not a problem for God to actually, resurrect someone from the ashes that have been that have that, that have been spread maybe we don't know where their grave is it doesn't matter god is all powerful and god doesn't need anything right um like a a full uncorrupt body or something like that in order to resurrect it uh the the pagans actually in the early church when they saw the christian martyrs that um, when they saw that their grave sites were being honored by the Christians, they said, well, let us burn their bodies so that God cannot resurrect them. You know, and this is what Eusebius says in his church history. He says the bodies of the martyrs having thus in every manner been exhibited and exposed for six days were afterward burned and reduced to ashes and swept into the Rhone by the wicked men, so that no trace of them might appear on the earth. And this they did as if able to conquer God and prevent their new birth. That, as they said, they may have no hope of a resurrection, through trust in which they bring us to this foreign and new religion and despise terrible things and are ready even to go to death with joy. Now let us see if they will rise again and if their God is able to help them and to deliver them out of our hands. So you can see that um, Eusebius gives witness of the pagans trying to destroy the hope of the resurrection by reducing the bodies of the martyrs to ashes and spreading them all over so that God cannot resurrect. But has that done anything to God? No, and God will resurrect all those martyrs whose ashes have been spread because the resurrection is a different kind of life. It is not a, a resurrecting into this life again. You know, it is not about continuing to live forever in time, but rather about a, a, a new order of existence. And St. Paul tries to, um, Understand this by giving us an analogy of the seed. He says, do you know, do you understand how the tree comes out? How how all that is contained in the seed? Well, no, we see the seed, but we don't understand how all the tree is contained within the seed So the same thing You know when the seed of our body is buried it at the resurrection it becomes this tree that we never expected would be coming out of this little tiny seed. It's just a different kind of existence. And so this is what gives us hope that we, we will live with God and we will live a life of God. But visiting the, the graves of the loved ones that have died is a very pious thing to do. Precisely because it is this seed that has been buried and will become something greater at the resurrection on the last day. Also, through the communion of saints, we know that we can still, I would even say, talk to our loved ones or ask them for favors or or ask them to intercede for us, you know. Or even say I'm sorry to them in case we have not been able to say I'm sorry and and in case we have left unfinished business, so to speak, before they died and we were not able to see them and say goodbye to them or, or apologize for something we did to them in this life. Well, we can still apologize even after they have died. And this gives us a lot of consolation because it eases our guilt you know in not having said i'm sorry or not having been able to say i'm sorry or not having been ready to say i'm sorry even when they died the church also offers sacrifices which we call suffrages and these suffrages mainly come through the our participation in the life of christ it's really christ who is who is praying and and redeeming them and sending them graces and we are the instruments of christ and that's why the best suffrage is really the mass a lot of people sometimes have a problem with the doctrine of purgatory in that we believe through our faith and especially in um in protestant circles people perhaps don't accept this state of purification after death and and yet we believe as catholics that what is revealed in the second book of maccabees is is really uh, uh, is really true you know when judas uh, maccabeus he was um he and his men went to take up the bodies of of soldiers that had fallen and they were going to bring them back to their kinsmen in the sepulchres of their forefathers when they went to pick up the bodies of these fallen men they found that they had the sacred tokens of the idols which the law forbade any Jew to wear. And it's, the scripture says in the second book of Maccabees, and it became clear to all that this was why these men had fallen. And so what does Judas do? He actually says that they are to offer sacrifices for them so that their sin might be forgiven, even after death. And so it says the following. So they all blessed the ways of the Lord, the righteous judge who reveals the things that are hidden. And they turned to prayer, begging that the sin which had been committed might be wholly blotted out. And the noble Judas exhorted the people to keep themselves free from sin, for they had seen with their own eyes what had happened because of the sin of those who had fallen. He also took up a collection, man by man, to the amount of 2,000 drachmas of silver, and sent it to Jerusalem to provide for a sin offering. In doing this, he acted very well and honorably, taking account of the resurrection. For if he were not expecting that those who had fallen would rise again, here is the point, it would have been superfluous and foolish to pray for the dead. And the text continues. But if he was looking to the splendid reward that is laid up for those who fall asleep in godliness, it was a holy and pious thought. Therefore, he made atonement for the dead that they might be delivered from their sin. So what is revealed in the book of Maccabees is that there is life after death, and that atonement could be made by the living by the, the by the people who continue to live on earth they can make atonement for the sins of those who have died because they hope in the resurrection and their prayer is not foolish or superfluous their prayer for the dead is not foolish or superfluous this is extraordinary this is amazing because that means that we, too, can do the same for our loved ones. And the best thing we can do is that. Because, you know, in purgatory, everything is clear. Everything, you know, maybe here on earth we can fool ourselves and, you know, think that what we have done is is good when it's really not good. And we let our passions get the better of of our conscience you know and we start kind of um letting ourselves be taken by uh by our disorder passions you know by our disordered desires and we start doing things that are not in accord with the law of god but in purgatory everything's clear and there's nothing that the souls in purgatory can do about it they're passively being purified and and they, they just can't wait to see god and and theologians have said that in purgatory the least you know purification is actually causing those souls a lot more suffering than the greatest suffering one can experience here on earth and at the same time the greatest joy that one can experience here on earth is absolutely nothing and pales in comparison with the least joy in purgatory why because the souls in purgatory know that they are saved and that they're going to see god and that's what really gives them the strength to be able to pull through because they're full of hope because they know that they have made it in the end you know really when we consider death we are considering the mystery of sin that is then taken up by Jesus in his own life. And he himself, as it were, kills death by dying on the cross. And therefore, death no longer has a, a kind of stigma for us. Because now death becomes an occasion in which we can die out of love for god and others when we consider our own death this is a very salutary thing this is something that is very good for us why because everything that we were planning to do now actually we have second thoughts about If if I'm going to die tonight, wouldn't that make me have second thoughts about how I'm going to lead the rest of my day today or what I'm going to do, what I'm not going to do? It sure does. When I pray over death or about death or about my own death, it changes everything. It changes everything. Look at what the Catechism of the Catholic Church says about this. The church encourages us to prepare ourselves for the hour of our death. In the ancient litany of the saints, for instance, she has us pray, quote, for, from a sudden and unforeseen death, deliver us, O Lord, End quote, to ask the mother of God to intercede for us at the hour of our death in the Hail Mary and to entrust ourselves to St. Joseph, the patron of a happy death. And the point continues. Every action of yours, every thought, should be those of one who expects to die before the day is out. Death would have no great terrors for you if you had a quiet conscience. Then why not keep clear of sin instead of running away from death? If you aren't fit to face death today, it's very unlikely you will be tomorrow. This is a quote from Uh, Quoted in the Catechism, but it's quoted from the um, Imitation of Christ, which is a book that was a a bestseller in medieval Europe. Uh, You know, so if we are not prepared to face death today, this book says, it is very unlikely that we will be ready to face it tomorrow. Well, um, hopefully, you know, with our meditation on death, We are able to change our behavior. Hopefully we're able to put everything in perspective, in perspective of eternity. If I have to give an account to God of all my actions today, even of my actions, the actions that I have performed only today, how would I do them? Wouldn't I want to do them with a lot of love? Wouldn't I want to do them, you know... uh, with a lot of acts of piety and service? Of course I would, because I have a newfound presence of God when I consider the fact that I'm going to see the my Creator and my Father just tonight in a few hours. You know, thinking of my own death can make me actually realize that I deserve nothing that, if anything, I deserve punishment. But because of the mercy of God, I have an opportunity while still I am here on earth to go to confession, to convert, to repent, to make my life right again. I cannot do that after death, but I can do that now. I can take advantage of the time I have now in order to love. Because that is really the only reason that is worthwhile doing anything for, ultimately. You know, I don't know if you remember the, uh, the work by Dickens called The Christmas Carol, A Christmas Carol. You know, you have Scrooge is, he's just worried about how much money he's making and he doesn't really care about other people. But when he considers the consequences of all his sins and of all his his um, lackluster behavior towards others and and towards God, you know, in the past and the present and in the future, he changes course. He has enough humility to say i have I have been I have been very selfish." And he realizes that the greatest joy. The greatest meaning that he can have in in the time that he has left is to be generous to love and to serve so this is the best thing we can do and that way you know when we reach the end of our life as it says in the catechism our lady will be there present because we have told her many many times in the hail mary pray for us now and at the hour of our death Amen. You know, if we have told our mother that many times, how could we not expect her to be there? Especially if, you know, we are sorry for all the evil we have done and of all the selfishness we have given into, you know, it doesn't matter. We can think of the good thief, how at the end of his life, he earned salvation simply because he showed an open heart to our lord there from from his cross the cross of justice which he was able to transform into the cross of our lord by opening himself up to the grace of forgiveness and um and also to to glory you know this day you will be with me in paradise that's like the first official canonization that we have you know what more do we want what more would we want in spite of the fact that he led a life of of terrible uh, behavior and yet at the end of his life he was able to change and transform because of the love with which he he accepted christ and came to the defense of christ there from the cross Well, let us turn to Our Lady and ask her for this same grace today, that we may convert today, and if not today, as soon as possible, so that we may truly be able to say with St. Paul that my desire is to depart from this life and be with Christ forever. Amen.